Please tonight to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel <clears throat> chapter 2. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I am so honored and I'm so excited and I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled. I don't know if you'll be, but I am that God has permitted me in my heart to talk about this subject again. And, uh, you know, we've been talking, this is the fifth lesson in this series that we're calling Covenant-Minded, Being Covenant-Minded. God is covenant-minded. We're going to go to the second chapter of 1 Samuel. And uh, we're to be like God. We're to be being conformed and growing, constantly changing. Amen. Uh, being conformed into God's very own image. And, uh, you know, that means we're going to end up thinking like He thinks. And, you know, what? who God is, is in us. God is in us. Paul in Galatians was inspired to say, to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. God is love. And He is in us by the Holy Ghost. And so His very own divine love ought to be being cultivated and developed. And the God kind of love ought to begin to be seen and expressed as we live our daily lives. Amen? Well, the same thing with joy. His joy and peace and long-suffering and all of those other things. Amen? I ought to begin to be because we are yielding and yielding and growing and maturing spiritually and out from us. That's what Paul meant. It took me a long time to figure that out. But when Paul meant, when he said, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling, he didn't mean work to keep your status with God. I thought that, oh my God, I, I, what's that mean? But as I meditated on it, as God enlightened me, he simply means the perfectness, the righteousness, all that is that God imputed to our spirits when we got born again, work that out into the other parts of our being so that it can be seen. And it's a process that will take you your whole earthly life. Amen. And one of those attributes of God is that He's covenant-minded. And uh, I had mentioned in teaching on this that there are some pillars, I believe, that upgird, that have to be there for anyone to really be able to say that they are operating in a covenant mindset. And the first one we talked about was faithfulness. Right? Someone who's covenant-minded is faithfulness-minded. Amen? And I tell you, if you have not gone back and listened to the last four messages, or if you missed any, go back. Are they challenging? Yes, they are. But you could take it. Yes. Amen. God wouldn't have me ministering on this, right, uh, if, if you guys couldn't take it. And uh, the Bible says that a faithful person abounds in the blessings of God. So just on that fact alone, we should be supremely interested. Amen. Amen. It's also the faithful that get promoted. You want God to promote you? I do. Faithfulness is the way. And there's no shortcuts with Him. No shortcuts with God. Well, another one of these pillars that must be in place in our thinking, in our heart, in our lives, if we're going to be covenant-minded people, is honor. Everyone say honor. 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 Honor, as we're about to see here in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we'll look at verse 30, is another law of God. Amen. You know, there are laws. Just like in this natural world, there are laws that govern things. You know, when Adam was in the garden, the laws of electricity were present. Man just hadn't discovered them yet. But we learned how to cooperate with that power. And we got lights and heat and air in the building. All of those wonderful things. Amen. Well, in the Spirit, there are laws. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Amen? Romans chapter 3 or 5, I think it's 3, is uh, the mention of the law of faith. Right? And so there are these print, and they apply to everyone. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. doesn't matter if you're black or white, you're male or female. All of these laws apply to you. And they apply to me. Amen? And uh, so, praise God, are you interested? Uh, I want to be a more covenant-minded man than I am today. 
And that means I need to be more honorable, a more honorable man than I am today. And I know I have room to improve. Amen. Well, if you were, 1 Samuel chapter 2 is a wonderful chapter. We don't have time tonight to read the whole thing. But the culmination of it is what we're going to read in the 30th verse. But to give you just a, a gist of the background, Samuel is still a young man. You know, he's a miracle child to Hannah who couldn't have kids. She made a deal with God. God will play. Let's make a deal at times. And uh, uh, she said, if God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. God said, that sounds good to me. I need a prophet anyway. And so Samuel was born to Hannah. And once the baby was uh, uh, weaned from the mother's breast, then she was faithful to her end of the deal. She actually traveled back to the temple and turned her son over to be raised in the priesthood. Now, Eli was the high priest. He was kind of the head honcho of the priesthood in this time frame. And so he now is uh, Samuel's custodian. Now, Eli had two sons. They were also working, uh, technically, with dad in the ministry. And their names were, uh, what was it, Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas. Let's read something about them. Back up into the chapter to verse number 12. It says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. And uh, so it's, it's one thing for dad to know the Lord, but do the sons know the Lord? Amen. I looked up this word Belial, and uh, one Hebrew dictionary told me tonight that uh, the first mention of Belial, it gives this context a son of Belial would be someone who leads other people into idolatry. Someone who leads other people away from God and to put their trust in false gods. Idolatry. Amen. It also means the literal definition of Belial, according to this particular Hebrew dictionary anyway, uh, means perpetrators of wickedness. So this is what God in the Bible actually called these people who are supposed to be serving God in the ministry with their dad. Amen. And so if you read through the chapter, uh, we could skip down to verse 17. Like I said, we don't have time to read it all. It says, Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. For the men, for men or people, the, the people of God, the Israelites, who were coming and interacting with the temple, they abhorred the offering of the Lord. If you were to read the verses before, Hophni and Phinehas were abusing, stealing, and robbing, and defiling the offering that the people were giving in sincerity. And so people began to hate the offering because these priests had corrupted it. They were not handling it properly. In addition to that, we can skip down to verse 22, and it says, Now Eli was very old. And he heard all that his sons did unto Israel and how they lay with the women. You know what that means. They lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So now we have these priests who are preying upon young women and having sex with them as they come to worship God at the house of God. And yeah, Eli's older, he's aged now, but he knows this is going on. He knows this is going on. And in verse 23 it says, And he said unto them, Why do you do these things? Uh, talking to his kids, For I hear of evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no, it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. And then he makes another statement, and that's all there is. So he gives them a little verbal tongue lashing, and that is all. Well, he should have been much, he should have removed them. Technically, I'd have to go study up again on the law of Moses, but he probably should have killed them under that time for what they had done. Eli did nothing. In essence, he did nothing. Okay, so now let's jump down to verse 30. It says, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that your house, talking about the descendants of Levi, Okay, you remember that uh, 12 tribes, God separated Levi, the tribe of Levi. Aaron was the first one. And he said, I'm giving you the honor of serving me in the priesthood. 
and you'll deal with all of the ongoing uh, activity and maintenance of the temple. Well, it was an honor that God separated them out for this work of ministry. Amen? And so God had covenanted with that tribe that this would be their lineage forever. And that's what he's referring to here in verse 30. I said indeed that your house, meaning your lineage, the house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith. So we can already see something. If we, if we don't handle holy things right, God could have ordained something and declared something in yesterday and totally change it. Amen. You know, what he gave, he can take back. Yeah, praise God. And that's exactly what he's saying here. He said, uh, I, I had said that you would walk before me forever, but now the Lord says, be it far from me. For them that honor, now he's just making a general statement. Them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So we see a law stated. This is spiritual law. It still applies to us today. God is all about honor. He's all about honor. In the great creation psalm, Psalm chapter 8, we're not turning there. And uh, the angel sees, you know, and who is this as God is making man? And in there it says that God has crowned man with glory and honor. Well, again, man was created in God's likeness, in God's image. In Psalm 96, around verse 6, it talks about that in God's presence, at the throne of God, there is glory and honor and majesty and strength. God has chosen to dwell in an atmosphere of honor. I'll make that statement again. God has chosen to dwell in an atmosphere of honor. And he won't let dishonor in. He is not going to have an audience with the dishonorable. Not an audience you'd want to have. He's not going to play patty cake with you. So let's go over this law just real slow. What did he say? Those that honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. This is the law of honor. Now, I was thinking about this today. There are so many Christians, and maybe they're puzzled. Maybe they're perplexed. Why, don't, why, why does God seem so hesitant to intervene on my behalf? Why does it not seem that God is prioritizing my needs, my family, my desires, why don't I ever get answers to my prayers? Could it be, consciously, unconsciously, that they're living in violation of this divine law? What did he say that God would do, how he would respond to people who despised him and his things? He said God would handle their things, they would be, Lightly esteemed. Listen to this from a couple of different translations. The New Living Translation says it this way. But I will honor those who honor me. It's real simple. I will honor those who honor me. And I will despise those who think lightly of me. Amen. Now, wasn't Eli in a covenant with God? Wasn't Eli a Hebrew? Right? Wasn't he God's people? And yet did God not have his fill and turn? And say, he's basically saying, you and your boys have dishonored me by dishonoring and mishandling and abusing and corrupting my things, holy things, my temple, my offerings, my people, my virgins, my girls. You took a trust that I entrusted to you 
and you despised it. How did he receive it? You despised me. And now he has turned on them. You think he's answering Hophni's prayers? <laughs> no. Here we are kind of heavy again. Amen. But honor, I tell you, don't get turned against the subject. It's an awesome. We're going to look at it from the positive side in just a minute. It is a powerful, powerful thing. And, and again, you know, when I first started receiving teaching about honor, our camp and company of believers is so rich in its revelation on honor. I sat there and felt like a dirty dog, really did, because I could see behaviors, attitudes, words I said, actions I took that were dishonorable. They were dishonorable. But I didn't know. I didn't realize. Hey, if you don't know, you don't know. I love what uh, Dr. Keith Rogan says. He says, people cannot know and they cannot have what they are not taught. Right? And so, you know, if this kind of pops you in the, in the nose, don't, don't bother about it. Amen. Uh, we're, we're, none of us are perfect. We're all growing. Amen. But at the same time, don't, don't buck up against it. While I'm ministering, open your spirit. You trust me. Open your heart. And even though you might know these scriptures, let me minister these scriptures into your heart. And that honor will get in you in a stronger way. Amen. Because on the positive side, what did he say? Those that honor me, I will honor. Now I'm going to show you a little, just one little teeny tiny example of what that might look like in just a minute. Amen. And so let me read the God's Word translation. The God's Word translation of this says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel declares, I certainly thought that your family and your father's family would always live in my presence. But now the Lord declares, I promise that I will honor those who honor me. General statement. Applies to everybody. Amen. And those who despise me will be considered insignificant. I don't want God to consider my mortgage payment insignificant. I don't want God to consider my protection and safety. I don't want God to look at that and go, I'm really, I'm not interested. He, it's the law of sowing and reaping. They don't, they don't care about me. They don't honor me. They don't care about my things. It's no big deal to them to miss church, mishandle the time, spend it on a boat, spend it on a jet ski. You know? They don't, you know, their Bible's under the car seat in their car. They don't know where it is. Not too interested in finding it. And yet, there can be a believer that's wondering Where's God? You look at somebody else and say, God, you're, man, you're coming through every week. There's, there's evidence of the hand of God. Uh, 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 you know, I just heard about how you delivered them, that, that person from a certain accident. And they, somehow they skated through on the other side. I'm having a fender bender every other the month. Why is, well, could it be that we're violating the law of honor. Amen. Well, looking at this from the positive side for just a minute, how would God honor someone? Well, how do you honor someone? You honored God and you honored me. You honored this church by coming tonight. There's a lot of places tonight you could be. There's a lot of things you could be doing. But you met the demands of whatever it is that you had on your plate to do today. And you got dressed and you came and you're here. Your presence is, is on some level, right? An expression. So how, would God, how does God honor? 
he shows up. You know, if, uh, if everybody's having a Super Bowl party and somebody chose your party over another party and you have a smaller flat screen and you don't have surround sound. And you, you yeah, you're, you're a little slack on the snack. But they came to your place. Well, they could have gone here, but they're there with you. Well, Come on, guys. If we, as a church, this is what excites me. If we will get a hold of this, if we will learn, let God teach us how to honor Him more, higher, better. One of the ways He's going to honor us back is by showing up. And it's true corporately, but it's true for your family. And it's true for you individually. I, I promise you, when God shows up, things are going to change in your situation. Enemies are going to flee. Bills are going to get paid. Bodies are going to get healed. Tormented minds are going to get set free. Come on. And we need God to show up. When we gather here, and part of, he's here, but he manifests himself by degree. He manifests himself by degree. And I'd have rather have fewer people present that excel in honor than to have the place bursting with people who despise him who are not interested in really honoring him. So other ways that God would honor us is that he would involve himself on your behalf. Right? He would move. He would intervene to help you. He would employ his power and favor to bless you and enhance you. He would shower you with his blessings. He would make sure we have his help. Go to 1 Chronicles with me, 29. I don't know how far we'll get tonight, but I just don't feel like rushing. 1 Chronicles 29. Now, this, I'm gonna, we're going over here to read a nugget about the life of David. I want to show you one verse, because I, I didn't have time tonight to just trace all through the Bible about David's life. But if, if you read about David's life, and if you read his writings, and if you read what God says about David, then you know that God thought a lot of David. God thought a lot of David. In fact, I, don't, I can't think of anywhere else in the scripture where God said this about a human. That he is a man after my own heart. Mm -hmm. Brother Brett's a little cool in the auditorium. Um. And so God is a man, or David, God called David a man after his own heart. And you could think about that like this. God, God saw that David had in his heart something that God had in his heart that was precious to him. He saw a key part of who God is in David. And he prized him for that. And he treated him differently than other men because of that. Amen? And it's a law. God, David is not just one of God's special chosen ones. Those that honor him, God will honor. And those that don't are going to be treated lightly. They're, they're going to be counted as insignificant in God's mind. I want to be high on God's radar. Amen? I want God's eye. 
basically is that boy, I, he's not perfect. He makes mistakes, but I tell you what, he is all in with me. He cares about me. He is doing the best he can to honor me, serve me, help people, fulfill the call of God on his life. And I tell you what, the outcome of his life and what he's going through is important to me. Oh, man, I, that's the way I'm going to be. That's the way I want God to be responding to me. Well, let's read this. First uh, Chronicles 29, verse 26 through 28. Just three verses here. And so it says, Thus David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. And the time that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron. And 33 years reigned he in Jerusalem. Now, look at verse 28. You want to mark this verse. And he died in a good old age, full of days. In other words, his days were not empty and vain and full of regret. His days were full. All right, let me go back. He died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon, his son, reigned in his stead. He got to see God's choice for the succession of his ministry in good hands in his son Solomon. And that's how David ended up. It's not by accident that he ended up old and full, with full days, rich and and. Uh, we'll get into the, what honor is, but there was honor in David's life. People regarded him. They took care of him. They thought a lot of him. They would sacrifice for him. They dignified him. They blessed him. They funded him. They fought for him. It's all wrapped up in honor. Well, how do you want to go out? These are all things that God did. Because of how, God, how David treated God, David was an honorable man. His passion was God. His passion was the Word of God. And he was all about God's things. So previously in this, in this latter part of 1 Chronicles, you could see David walking around and he goes, Hmm, what can I do for God? What could I do to bless God? What can I do to honor God? Stop. This is, this is something that David had in him that blessed God's heart. Do you walk around? Do you drive your car and think, God, you're so awesome. You're so good. You've done so much. What could I do for you? How could I honor you? How could I bless you? And really be open to what he might say. And, and David is living in a plush house. He called it a cedared paneled house. He goes, I'm living in a cedared house. And he notices the tabernacle, the ark, is in a tent. He said, this not good enough. He, it's his thought. This is not good enough for the presence of God. For the ark of God and me live in a house? Oh, no, 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 no. This, this, he got his, himself the idea. And he goes, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna build God a place. And God sent the prophet in. I think it was Nathan. And said, now, now uh, do all, Nathan said, do all that's in your heart. God's with you. And then he left him. And then God spoke to the prophet and said, uh-uh, whoa, 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 wait. David is honoring me. I'm paraphrasing, but he is not to be the one to build it. He's not to be the one to build it. And then he starts telling the prophet Nathan, you tell him he's not the one to build it, but you tell him, because you had this idea, because this was in your heart, I'm going to build you a house. You think you got a house? I'm going to build you a house. He talked about his lineage and what God was going to do through his family. He goes, I'm, because you had this in your heart, you're not the one to build it. Amen, you're a man of war, you got blood on your hands. Your son will do that. But because you had this in your heart, I'm going to build you a house, baby. It's the law of honor at work. David was honoring God in his thoughts and plans. And God said, even though you're not 
right on with what I want. You're not going to be the one to do it because you think this way about me and my stuff. I am going to bless your socks off. It's the law. See, do you get stirred? Amen. Praise God. And, uh, and then even after Nathan comes in and delivers that message, he goes, okay, that, no problem. But he basically has this thought. He didn't say anything about me not being able to get ready for it. And he started putting funds together. He started going out and conquering more pagan armies and kings and stealing all their stuff, you know, getting all their spoil. And he put it up all in the bank. He said, I can't build it, but I can pay for it. I mean, what a guy. What a guy. Well, could it be? I don't know. I don't know about you. What is your heart cry? Father, what David had in him toward you, I want that in me. You could have that heart. Amen. You know, in our country, our country is suffering because of the rebellion of that generation in the 60s. And we've had at least three generations come up after them now. And, and so we've got grandparents, parents, kids, and grand, great-grandkids in the nation now who know little to nothing about respect. They don't know nothing about respect. This culture today, these, these kids, they will speak any old way to their parents. And the parents let them act any old way, act a fool. How we treat our police officers. How we talk about political leaders is disrespectful to the max. And they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea. They have no idea. To get up on social media and slander and gossip and talk any old what they think they can say and do anything to anyone and it don't matter. You know, in the name of saving the planet now, Kids are doing all kinds of crazy vandalism, and, and it's dishonor. It's disrespectful. And that which has gotten into the American culture has seeped into the church. I'm putting standards on me if you want me to come to your church. Hello. And yet, I just don't understand. If you read your Bible, you're going to find out honor is a covenant mindset that's supposed to touch every relationship in your life. Let me prove it to you. You don't have time to write all these references down. But here is, and I, you can read about this actually in my book, Prophet, Honor, Connection. I, uh, I got that. That's all listed in there. But the Bible says, obviously, in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, honor God. And that's not the only place it says that. Number two, the Bible says in multiple places, I give you Exodus 20, 12, we are commanded to honor our parents. And maybe your parents are wicked, but there's still a place of honor that should be shown because of the place, the position that they hold. You're in the earth because they did something. Amen. Spouses are commanded, according to Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3, 7, to honor each other. It's not suggested, it's commanded. In Romans chapter 13, we are told to honor all authority and all dignitaries and all civil leadership. We are to honor soldiers and law enforcement officers. That's in the Bible. We're going to go there in a minute, Romans 13. Uh, believers are commanded in 1 Timothy 6, 1 to honor our employers. And it specifically says the jerk ones, the mean ones, the rough ones. Well, I, I don't like that. Go practice a different religion. I didn't write the book, man. It's just my job to teach it. But again, if we'll do this as unto God, He will honor us. 
Amen. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.4 that we are commanded as believers to learn how to possess our bodies in honor. Honor this vessel that God created for our spirit to live in. Sure gets quiet. Anyway. We are told to honor those in the ministry that have rule and authority over us spiritually. 1 Timothy 5.17, Hebrews 13.17. The Bible, and, and I mean clergy, that used to, reverend, that, that, where's that come from? Reverence. It's, it's lost all its meaning in our culture today. The Bible says that the local church, the house of God, is to be a place where God's honor dwells. If you learn about honor anywhere, it should be in the local church. Amen. In Peter, we are commanded to honor the king and all men. So their honor says, honor is due to every human being you come in contact with. Amen. So I have shown you enough right there to see that honor is a big deal. It is foundational. And it's not just something that we give to a few special people that we like. Honor is to be our attitude and flow of life. It is to be our lifestyle. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's close tonight by at least getting a glimpse of what is honor. What is honor? Well, if you were to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 2, where God says there in verse 30, those that honor me, I will honor. That word, I think it's kabed uh, in the Hebrew, and this is what it means. In the Hebrew, the word honor, English, means weighty, heavy. Heavy. That's what honor means from the Hebrew. It, it, it means to be heavy. Not burdensome, heavy, weighty. I like that word better. Weighty. When we think about our relationship with God, it should be a weighty thing to us. Are you with me? And everything connected to God should get the same, the same treatment. Jesus came to this earth to pay the sin debt. And he said, upon this rock I'll build my church. Well, and really the rock is the revelation that he is the anointed one. Well, it sure sounds like the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is important to him. He told us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. You, you could see the law of honor, 1 Samuel 2.30, right there in that verse. If you'll put me and my things first, you won't have to worry about your things. I'll take care of your things. But if you won't take care of me and my things first, I'm not, I'm not obligating myself to add anything to you. You'll have to eke out your own existence down there on the planet. Oh, glory. Amen. So the word, if you study it further to try to get a further meaning, the word there in the Hebrew means to treat something as important, sacred, significant. And it affects your approach, your actions, and your words. Honor is not something you just carry around in your heart and you have to tell people that it's in there. Really, the word kabed is a verb. Honor is a verb. It's an action we take. I, I'm learning this. But honor has a walk. And honor has a tone. See, if you're honorable, I won't take a certain tone with my wife. Sorry for every tone I ever took that was bad. Uh, because I'm to honor her. 
And my marriage should be a weighty thing to me. Well, the brotherhood is the fellowship of saints. I owe Miss Nikki honor because she's one of God's, she's my sister in the Lord. I shouldn't treat that frivolously, politely. It doesn't, you know, to be honorable, to be reverent, to be respectful doesn't mean to be stiff and no fun. Please understand that. Right? Amen. That we're all walking on eggshells around each other and we have to have two befores to keep our back straight and all that. I mean, that's not formality. That's not always what we're talking about. But there is a level of respect. You may not like me, but if you recognize that God's assigned me in some way to your life, there's an honor that goes with the office of the pastor and you'll be blessed by showing honor to that office. Jesus said, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him that sent me. It goes all the way up to the throne. And God's taking it personal. Well, one of the ways that we see and understand what something is is by turning the coin over and look at what the opposite is. So if kabed, Hebrew for honor, means weighty or heavy, what would it be to dishonor then? Light. Lightness. To treat something lightly. Now that sheds a lot of light on the current culture we live in. In this culture we live in, uh, the, another word that I would use in the category of light is casual. If it's, if it's no big deal to us, we count it a light thing. Rolling out of bed and needing to get a newspaper and a cup of coffee at 7-Eleven, I don't count as a weighty thing. And it shows up in how I roll in. In my PJs and my Crocs. Now, actually, I don't ever do that. Because people are watching me everywhere. I can't go to Walmart the way people go to Walmart. It's just, I don't know why anybody goes to Walmart the way they go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah. You want entertainment, just hang around the parking lot. Wow. It's kind of sketchy. Don't, Walmart, don't sue me. It's not your, I'm not, Whatever. But see, nothing is counted as heavy anymore. And, it, and that's, why the, that's why the society has embraced everything's casual. Don't need to dress up for nothing. Because nothing's a big deal. Nothing's important. I was asked, and I stopped doing it not long after this, in part because of this circumstance. Brother Bill Hopper asked me as a favor to him, uh, to do a wedding for one of his relatives down there in Benton. And in honor for him, I agreed to do it. So I came at the appointed time. It was an outdoor wedding. And it looked like they were there for a drunken party. Before the ceremony had ever begun, there's beer cans all over the place. Everybody's in their ripped jeans and cowboy hats. Now, I've been to weddings... With cowboy hats where it was cool looking, like Amber's brother. I mean, we all had our, what do they call those? Our, the bolo ties and the, and the cardboard stiff jeans you had to jump into from the, to get in them, you know? Uh, so again, it's not just about, but you could just tell the atmosphere, the attitude, the lightness. And I was so grieved in my spirit. And I think I just flat got mad about it. I was tempted to just get in my car and leave. And I would have had it not been for honor and respect for Bill Hopper. I did that for him. But it's that kind of lightness and attitude. Marriage is holy. Marriage is sacred. God is involved. He is personally a witness at every wedding ceremony. I don't care where you did it. Amen? 
coming to church, it's not about having a it's not about having a bunch of clothes. I mean, a lot of people don't have money yet to go invest in a bunch of clothes. But you will, you keep hanging around. But but see, an honorable man will say, that pair of jeans is for the best places I go, and this pair of jeans is for everywhere else. Just the distinction is, is something that allows you to express, I understand that going to church is different than going to 7-Eleven. Are you with me? Weighty, everyone say weighty. Okay, so you remember some of those categories? What are we supposed to treat with honor and weight? God, spouse, family, clergy, authorities, employers, politicians, leaders, teachers, brothers and sisters, all men. Amen. All right, we're going to have to close. Let's close over here in uh, Romans chapter 8. No, Romans 13. I hope you're getting something. You're a little quiet on me tonight, but I think you're doing good listening. Yeah. Yeah, you're with me. One of the things that I've discovered about honor, when someone's living and beginning to cultivate this revelation of honor in their life, it's a, it's a little bit of a two-edged sword because once you become honorable, you are perceptive and you recognize when honor is lacking. And it's irritating. <laughs> you have to be careful not to judge. Treat people with compassion. I'm not the honor police. Amen. But for me, I'm going to do my best to the utmost. To be honorable toward God, toward my call, toward you, toward my family. Amen? Amen. Praise God in all these other areas because I want, the, I want the reward. You know, if you sow honor, you get honor's reward. But if you don't sow honor, you don't get it. Remember he said, and we're going to read Romans uh, 13, or yeah, 13 and then we'll, we'll end. But remember he said, if those that honor me, him I will honor. And those that despise me will be lightly esteemed or treated as insignificant. Well, I bet you probably don't think, uh, and most people probably don't think, I don't despise the Lord. I don't despise God. I don't despise His Word or the church or His things. Well, the, the thing is in the King James English, we think of that term despise today like a loathing or a disgust, right? Or just really full of contempt and like a hostile kind of an attitude. But again, if you look up the Hebrew word for the word that's translated despise, it simply means to treat lightly. And when by that definition, people don't think, Christians don't think that they are despising God, His people, and His things. But by treating things lightly and with casualness, they are living in violation of the law of honor. You got to change it. You got to change it. God demands to have His rightful place in your heart. He's not to be trifled with. He's a holy God. He's an awesome God. He's a mighty God. Amen. All right, let's close with this wonderful word here. You'll just really be excited about this too. We see here in this verse, Romans 13, 7, that when it comes to honor, we owe it like a bill. (laughs) So it's not about whether we feel like being honorable or not. Like so many things in the Christian life, I mean, it's just not about our feelings. Amen? So let's read this. Romans 13, 7, Paul, by the unction of the Spirit, says, Render, therefore, to all their dues. Amen? Tribute to whom tribute. Now, we think of the word tribute like we're celebrating someone. The way tribute is a tax. 
Remember when Peter came up to Jesus and said, Hey, you know, I just got confronted about the tax guy, about tribute. Should we give tribute to Caesar or not? He's talking about a bill. He's talking about a tax. So this verse says, Render to therefore all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due. Everyone say due. Then he outlines it. Custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear. Now, you should think that word respect. That's what that means. Respect to whom we should respect. Amen. Now notice, honor to whom honor. So here the Spirit of God through Paul is telling us that honor is due. For some of you, honor is past due. For some Christians, it's in arrears and in collections due. I got this bill, I pulled it out, I'm like, what is this? It's an old clinic I used to go to, uh, uh, and uh, I pulled out this bill, and it says, uh, from something in 2018 and 2020, I still owe them $113, and it said, it's due now. And I'm on a protest about that. What do you mean? I don't remember any of that, whatever I've done with you. Pull out something that you probably missed, if anything, from years ago. But see, in their mind, it's due. Well, we don't have time to go to Malachi, but if you go to Malachi chapter 1, he goes, God goes, where's my honor? He confronts those Hebrews. He said, you, you, you people, you honor your dads and your moms, you honor your employers, you honor the governor, and he's out like this. Where's my honor? Am I not God? Would you give a three-legged sheep to your governor? He said, literally, he said, take that offering to the governor, see if he'd be acceptable with you. But that's what they were given to God. Their leftovers, their, their stuff they didn't want. Blemished animals. When God said, you honor me by giving me the best. He said, return unto me, and I'll return unto you. So God is looking for his honor. He's worthy of it. I said he's worthy of it. But part of the way, church, as we close, that we honor God is that we honor his things. We honor his word. We honor his people. We honor one another. And we honor those that he commanded us to honor. And by doing that, he's pleased with us. It's a form of expression of honor for him. And I leave you with that reminder. God honors those who honor him. God honors those who honor him. Amen? So I believe and suspect there's more to come on this subject. We, we need to learn more about what honor looks like. How is honor expressed? Amen? You at all interested? Amen. Well, ready or not, here we come, you know, so. Amen. Well, let's bow our heads.